Hello and welcome to another Mental Health Gaming Podcast. It's the unlucky for some 13th episode because we're now counting them. I'm Bradley and once again I'm joined by Stu. How are we doing? Not too bad. How are you this week? I'm actually really good this week. Um, as I said to you, off, um, off, off air, off air, shall we say? Is that the right term? Yeah. Or off recording? Yeah. Go for it. Um, it was, um, yeah, I've had one of those positive weeks. So it was almost like trying to think about what I can actually talk about this week. But yeah, we'll come to that in a little bit because we'll keep to some schedule and go with what we've been playing. I know you've been playing some Astral Chain previously and some Half-Life. Anything new? Yeah, I have actually. I've put a lot of time into a game called Aragami. It's a game that came out about three or four years ago, completely passed me by at the time, and it was on sale. So I did my usual thing of like, that's dead cheap. I want to buy it because it's cheap. Okay, I'll go and look at some YouTube videos and then have a look at the reviews. And I did all that. And I was like, hmm, yeah, looks good. £2.24 on Steam. And it's really easy to describe. It's Tenchu in cell shading. Or, if you prefer, it's Dishonored, but in third person. So it's as good as that suggests. And I read the reviews, and it was like, great idea, basically like Tenchu, but it's got loads of bugs. So I was kind of braced. Yep. Especially as it's in the Unity engine. And so I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, okay, I can live with it for that money. But all the bugs must have been squashed since that time in the last three years because I've not had any issues. Well, a couple of little clipping issues, but practically nothing. And stuff you might not see in a AAA, but, you know, you'd see in a, anything other than that. So, yeah. yeah. And the way that it's like Tenchu is that you wander around and you assassinate people in stealth and the way that it's like dishonored is that you can blink you can do teleporting and you can teleport between shadowed areas and i won't go into it all too much but it's just really tight it's precise it's level design is really really clever multi-tiered and has lots of hidden areas but it's never unfairly frustrating or uh, cruel with its sight lines and you obviously get power-ups as you go through and they're kind of like buffs that let you see more details about what the opponents can see and the distance they can see and you can see yeah. through walls and you can you know blink as it were further so that's absolutely fantastic I, i'm so glad I, I paid for that it's available on the switch apparently so I think it's quite significantly more expensive. You'd be paying your Nintendo tax <laughs> to buy some. it on that. Yeah, I think it's about 20 quid. But um, yeah, £2.24 on Steam. Really enjoying it. So that was the first one. Astral Chain, as you say. And I've, I've put quite a few more hours into it. It just keeps getting better and better for me. So it's got some elements of Metal Gear Rising that I mentioned last week. So it's got that Zandatsu thing of you slow down the action so that you can do precise cuts and then you pull the core out of the opponent uh, to finish them off. Uh, I'm really glad to see that make a, <laughs> a return because it's such a cool feature. Yeah. And uh, other than that, you know, it's gorgeous and great fun and the combat's spectacular. So if you've got any interest in, you know, going way back, Devil May Cry, right up to through Bayonetta, Vanquish, any of those kind of games and Metal Gear Rising, you've got you've to own it, really. 
Excellent. Yeah, no, I've, I've picked it up and I'm, I'm waiting for the right moment to start it. Um, I've got my Hori Joy, uh, split Joy uh, cons now, um, and I think that's going to be ideal for playing that. It is, because I have those as well, and I'm using them, and it's it's really excellent. Yeah, great precision. You, you do notice the difference with certain games, don't you? With yeah, those. it's not perfect for everything, no. uh, especially if you want to have that rumble feature, because it misses that, obviously. But the level of comfort, and the thing that I really like, and I, I bet you cover this as a real positive in your video review, the, um, the, the paddles on the back, I really like assigning stuff to those. I think it makes it so much easier. I touched, I, t- I touched on those, and I said I, I, I've never, even on like the um, Xbox One Elite controller and stuff like that, I've never got on with paddles because my mm. the way I hold it, I keep accidentally touching them. So I tried it mainly off the gears, not gears of war, gears in racing games, and using them for up and down gears, and it worked really well there. But I, I've, I still just can't get them, and it's not not a fault of the product at all it's a it's a problem with me but yeah they are wonderful that you can program those well i've got like little dwarven sausage fingers like my hands make trumps look large so (laughs) that's probably why (laughs) they're the more comfy for me and yeah i kind of use them for um you know like r3 and l3 and imperfect for like running yeah i think i find them great for that for tapping those to run instead of clicking in the stick that's a fair point, actually. What I found really interesting, I, I, the one time I have done it and I got it to work on one of those, it was on the Xbox, and it was, you had to press the click into sprint on whatever game it was. And so I tried doing it to the left back paddle and just didn't feel right. And it was just like, I just couldn't get the pushing forward plus then holding. So I moved the sprint, L, the L3 sprint to the right paddle which even though it's the opposite side, just felt so much more natural to hold yeah. that one to sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my left one I used, I think, for zooming, and that worked. But it was the only time that I thought, I'll try that for all other games. I just, could, again, couldn't work, wouldn't work for other games. But this one particular game, moving the, the fact they are programmed, what I love, but moving that sprint to the right back paddle, just, yeah, that was that was superb. So maybe it's something else you've got to get used to. It's like forcing yourself to use a wheel or a graphics pen and stuff like that. you just got to really just push through with it at some point. Yeah, I guess, and, and like you say, it probably just doesn't suit some games as well, and, yeah. and you can just ignore them in that case. So, yeah, yeah, but uh, Astral Chain, absolutely fantastic, yeah. What about you? What have you been playing? So I've, I've been playing quite a few games, actually. I, I, I got sent a whole raft of them to to review. So one I've been playing for a couple of weeks that I hadn't been able to talk about is SnowRunner, which is the follow-up to MudRunner. It's a tough game to sell. I, I seem to like playing games that aren't easy to sell. Um, basically, you're given a massive open world and you get to drive a truck, various different trucks, real-world trucks. Um, across harsh environments to deliver cargo, so like logs, various types of metal needed for building things, etc., etc. And you're going through muddy areas, and or in the case of SnowRunner, that that you then eventually get to like really snowy areas. Um, so it's almost imagined, you know, ice road truckers. I do. It's kind of imagined it's like a slower paced version of that with all without the TV bitching and shouting and competition to it. So it's just a really slow paced, relaxing game. It, it's, um, yeah, you real 
what I would assume are close to real physics. So you can't, if you just like hammer down on an accelerator, you're going to lose control of your truck. And if you do it while you're in mud, you're not going to get anywhere. So you're going to bury yourself deep. So you have to go to a low gear, put your various drive assists on to try and get through things, use your winch if you get stuck. It's persistent, this world as well. So say you're on the way to somewhere to pick up your cargo and you get stuck in a bog and you rip up that bog and it's almost impossible to get through. You're going to need to then find another route back because you pick up your logs or whatever it is you're getting. And if you go back that same route, the mess you've made is still there. And so you have to think how you're going to do it. You've got to think, right, I can't just go this way and make sure that's done because you've got to go back or you've got to find another route which might be more difficult. And it should be stressful. And at points it is, but in a really good way. Um, I, I originally put this on at one point. I thought, well, I'll give it a quick look, do the opening tutorial and see what it's like. And about four hours later, I was still engrossed in this thing, traveling, like uh, getting through, getting stuck, getting frustrated, restarting. Because it's a game that it kind of revels in its difficulty, but not in trying to make you feel dumb for not being able to do it. Yeah. And I say, it's, it's just a very difficult game to sell to someone and go, really, you should play this because it sounds dull and it looks dull, but it just isn't. Yeah, I, I I love that persistence in games when it's it's a feature that you don't see very much because it's so. I don't Sega know, Rally they, did it. Sega I was gonna, Rally. That's yeah, the what I was going to say actually. Yeah. yeah, Sega Rally Revo, and also, the, funnily enough, in Aragami, there's a great use of it. So the bodies remain; they're always persistent, and if they're discovered, you're discovered. Yeah, um, and there's a, a great feature that you can get a power-up where you make the bodies disappear and you're kind of like stood there exposed trying to make this guy melt into the into the floor uh, while you're doing it so a risk reward and it it's something that should be in more games and i can see it work it works best i think in that contact surface like you say in driving games and i really like that i like it when it's included yeah it's it's, it's, it's a really fascinating slow-paced game um i can't recommend it to everyone but it's one of those, if you get a chance, then, yeah, play that. It's good. It looks beautiful as well, which I was surprised because Mud, Mud Runner's a little bit ugly, but this is beautiful. Mm. Oh, cool. Aside from that, also been playing Moving Out from Team 17 and SMG Studios, actually, are the developers, Team 17, the publishers, obviously. After playing Totally Reliable Delivery Service, I was a little bit wary about actually playing this because... Those low random type games are either really good or they are just trash. And more often than not, they are utter trash. And then there's just too much randomness going on. And that's why I assumed, not, not trash, I, I expected a quality product being from Team 17 at the same time. But I was expecting it just to be a one-time play it. Yeah, like, I get the joke and done. Even though it's presented like that, what you actually get with moving out is this really well-crafted world where everything is intentional and allows you to just have fun with it. So the idea is you're a moving team, you go into properties, you, you get the stuff that needs to get moved out of the property, throw it in the truck, literally, if you want, get as much, get everything in there that you have to against the timer. Once all in there, level over and you get a medal based on 
how long it took you. Uh, there are other little bonus objectives you can do and all things like that. But it's all about speed. It doesn't care if you break things. It doesn't care if you destroy the house. It's all about getting what you can onto that delivery truck as fast as you can. Um, and it's, again, it's a physics-based game, so there's some fun physics with it, some janky physics with it as well. But again, you can tell it's all finely crafted. And I played it on my own because I often will as, as, on a whole. And I thought, no, it says it is for co-op, and it feels like it does need to be played in co-op. So I settled down, actually reset up the dock for the Switch so we could play it on the TV and played it with my son. And we had fun. Then we added my partner and my three-year-old to it. And I'll come to the three-year-old playing it in a minute as well. And we all just, just had loads of fun playing it. Arguments were involved because you're moving stuff and there's going to be arguments. Uh, someone's not throwing it right. Never my fault, by the way. Never my fault. I know what I'm doing. I'm a gamer. Um, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, someone else's fault. Um, but yeah, just throwing all this stuff around, trying to work as a unit, failing quite often doing it, but having fun. We're having a good laugh with it. Um, my three-year-old was able to give her a Joy-Con to play with and actually put her in the game to play. Now, all she did was wander around most of the time and knock into things, sometimes get out of our way, but she was joining in. Now, that would usually be frustrating, but what team, what SMG Studios sorry, have done here and deserve so much credit for, yes, you've got your goals that you should you want to look to complete, but they've actually given a whole bunch of assist options and accessibility options that mean you can turn as much of that off or just that as much as you want so that you can beat the game in any way you see fit. Which means as someone like me who would be like, that's the target I've got to get and I've got to make that gold medal target. That's great. But when you're playing with people who don't play games all that often or can't play to that ability, being able to adjust what the goals are or even turn them off altogether, that is a stroke of genius from a developer. They've basically said, look, play our game. Play it how you want. And even when you have other games that say, hey, play it your way, you're still con constrained into, look, these are the goals we actually need you to be hitting when you're playing. You can do it how you want, but you've got to hit these goals. Whereas SMG Studios have gone, no, no, that's all out the window. Just play it how you want. And it's, it's a really, really fun game. I wouldn't say it's one you'll play every single day or constantly play, but it's one of those really good party games that you could happily break out once every couple of months or if you've got friends or family around in a new world, then, yeah, you, you can do that, but absolutely superb. And I think one of the surprise releases of the year, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's another one, like you said right at the top, if it's done badly... It's absolutely disastrously crap, but when it yeah. the rare occasion it's done well, it can be so much fun. Yeah, and okay, so the the thing with this one is because it isn't random, and it, it's trying to explain that when you look at it, you can throw things everywhere about the house, smash windows, knock over fences, etc. Um, and one of them, my son decided to ignore moving stuff and try and score goals in the garden um, on one of the levels. All of that there, it feels random, but when I then sat back and looked, it went, no, this is finely crafted. You know, there's no glitching to try, or, or fake glitching that you'd see to try and make it, oh, look, this game's crazy. Everything has a reason. 
and everything is finally done very much like um good job did on the on the switch um when that came out there's craziness to it but it's controlled in a way and yeah i think that's what makes it work rather than those developers that just go hey look we've got this really badly glitchy game let's just try and make it a next goat simulator those don't work they've been done they're 10 a penny something like this yeah absolutely bob on you played i know you played deliver us the moon as well yeah it's almost the first major well i wouldn't say it was majorly negative but almost negative review we've had on the site yeah and i don't like writing them and it came across in the review um no so explain yourself <laughs> i know i felt so guilty and i shouldn't because i was just being honest yeah yeah i think it it's mainly just the as i mentioned the retread of actions that you've done in other games so it's attractive you know it's appealing it's reasonably atmospheric but i've played like even this year i've played two games that are far superior and and do things differently to it the most obvious one being red matter which is which i've also reviewed mm. and you can see on the site that's the vr one isn't it that's the vr one yeah i think even if you took out the vr from red matter it would be more atmospheric and unusual mm. i think it's very difficult to to make compare and contrast because the vr is just such a different experience but I tend to think if you're going to be doing something kind of like a walk, it is kind of like a walking simula simulator delivers the moon, then you've, you've really got to invest in the story because the actions are always going to be secondary to the, to the narrative. And so there are environmental puzzles, as I say in the review, as you'll have done a million times before, you'll be fitting cells into things and, you know, turning them on, copying that thing of Alien where you get a tube and you insert it and you twist it to the right. You'll be doing that over and over and visiting different locations and grabbing air. And it's like, yeah, I did the grabbing air thing in Dead Space like over a decade ago. And, you know, the, the fuel cell thing in just about every space set game I've ever played. And you, you're desperate for something a, a little bit original or a really compelling story. And for me, it just didn't really have either of those things, and it was really disappointing to me. So is it, with regards to it, is it a timing thing with regards to, it's almost weird that you say, it's all been done before. Um, the atmosphere has been done, the puzzle types have been done, so there's a lot of tropes I'd imagine in it. But also, weirdly, I don't know if it's the bubble we're in as gamers or anything like that, but it seems to have been quite well-hyped as a game i've seen a lot about it over the past couple of months in the build-up to release and there's a there was a lot of excitement for this game which for an indie i suppose just above indie with what they are but yeah it was quite hyped so it was going to be hard for it to live up to any expectations did you find that maybe to a degree that because you've done it before and there was some hype it, it was never going to be one where you went wow i'm really nicely surprised well, actually, no, because I'd not even heard of it till I got the review code, which is unusual. So it must be, yeah, that's the bubble I'm in then. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, no, it was it was completely new to me. But I think even if... I think if I'd never played a game like that before, then... Well, A, I think that would have been very unique. Um, but B, I think I still would have been a little bit disappointed in that in that regard, because... As I say, with the walking simulator style games that have 
some environmental puzzles in them, but no action. The story has to really compel you. It has to drive you through. Yeah. Because the actions themselves are tedious. So they may be fairly well re- represented on screen. So you've got like, because you, you're maneuvering in 3D space you, and, and in zero gravity, you have that thing that you had way back in Descent where you can rotate on your axis and mm. uh, there's no up and down. And, you know, there are, there are puzzles that, you know, physical puzzles that require you to use that. But the time between them and the amount of traversal is quite significant. So, yeah, you need an impetus and you need some real style in the visuals and some real narrative propulsion to get that going because there's not a lot going on physically. And it for me, it just didn't have that. And I can see why people who haven't played two, three, four of those types of games before might jump on it. For me, I had re- I've recently played What Remains of Edith Finch, and that just blows the story side out of the water. And, you know, Red Matter and <laughs> just all sorts... So perhaps it's just a personal opinion. Maybe I'm not being objective enough, but for me, it was it was a mediocre game. Yeah. I think your review of it, in the end, was almost spot on for what the average was. But it brought up an interesting thought, is when it comes to reviewing a game or talking about a game in a more public sense than what you do on a forum or between friends, you you really worry about how you try and say things. I, I, like your sign off on the end of that was almost trying. Look, I don't mean to sound negative about the game because as you're trying to critique something, which is which is what you do, you can't help but feel like you're being overly nasty about it, which is an interesting standpoint when it comes to mental health and something I do all the time. I don't know if like other people can relate. But when you do offer feedback, you almost feel like, please don't take this the wrong way. Or I feel like, I'm sorry if that came across bad. You're always apologising for your opinion. Yes. And I'm not constantly apologising, but I would always do the kind of like critical sandwich. So start with something positive, say something, you know, constructive, i.e. negative in the middle, and then end with something positive. That would always be my, my preference. And yeah, no, I think it, yeah, it's very much tied into a mental health issue because you don't want to be demeaning or, or nasty to anyone who's put a lot of time and work and effort into something, even if it ends up being something that's, you know, solid and slightly uninspired, you, you recognize the value and the time that they've, they've committed to it. So yeah, yeah, I, I do second guess quite a lot. And I think critics who don't, can fall into a, a trap of arrogance. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think the best ones, you, you immediately tr- you, you trust them and you know them and you know that they're even-handed. And even if you don't agree with their opinion, you're like, oh, well, yeah, no, I, I can see where they're coming from. Don't agree, but I can see where they're coming from. So, yeah, and I, I'm with you there. And I'm like you. I very much don't want to. I try and look for the positives in a game as much as possible. And I did it with Totally Reliable Delivery Service. Overall, it's a crap game. But I found a solution in there where it was enjoyable. And I felt that it was worth pointing that out. 
because people will see a game like that. They will see the low scores. They will see other people going, look, it's this, this, this. It's janky. It's rubbish. It's, you know, the controls are poor, blah, blah, blah. And I can agree with that. But for every, say, 100 people that find it crap and just can't play it, there'll be two or three that are in a situation with me where I could watch my kids play it and watch my kids having a laugh with it. It's worth it for that. So I always liked where possible to try and find the positives. I, yeah, I just wish I could do yeah. that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do have to. You have to if you're trying to be objective. You've got to shift out of your bubble as much yeah. as you possibly can. Because if I mean, if you look at something like The Mandalorian, if like you only read fan reviews, uh, or you know you only engaged with people who were Star Wars fans, you'd think it started off average. The the middle three were absolute toilet. And then the last few were okay. And if you read critics reviews, it'd be like, yeah, they're, they're, uh, it's, they're all good. Or, you know, they're all a seven out of 10. And then if you listen to like general public's reaction, everybody loves it. And baby Yoda's a massive hit. And none of each of those viewpoints has value, but no one in itself is correct. And you have, I always feel like you said yourself got a responsibility to just, take in as much as you can of that game and then accurately represent it. If there's a good side to it, make sure you say it. Don't just slam it. See, this is going to be almost hypocritical uh, because obviously we want people to read what we're putting out and to watch and listen what we're putting out. But I've tried more over the past couple of years going into things as blind as I possibly can. So ignoring reviews and um, what's said on social media as much as I can, especially if it's something that's got a big story to it, not because of spoilers, but because, you know, you start going in there with a certain attitude towards something. And um, so I've started ignoring those. And I find it so much better to go into things blind. Um, and it's also, I think, the same approach to people as a way. You've got to get rid of those preconceived ideas of people. Do it with yourself as well. And I can, I can say that. Do it with yourself. Stop having preconceived ideas of how you're coming across. Almost, you know, treat yourself with a bit more respect. and. You know, people are seeing you blind for the first time whenever you meet new people and you don't know what they're going to have. And if you project yourself as someone who can't time with with other people, that's going to come across. Um, now, I can say that. I know I'm not following that advice still. Um, but it's, yeah, hopefully it's the sort of thing we can over, over time is learn to adapt and stuff like that because it's weirdly, I think we're going to have a lot of changes over the next no numerous months and even years where i think what social interaction is is going to change massively and it's a good chance for everyone to re-establish what that is yeah i agree so one other thing i i want to touch on recently is obviously people who listen to this regularly know i've applied for universal credit and I spoke about the relief when it got accepted and i'd find out how much i was getting and i knew i was definitely going to get it but I still had this worry over me on because I took an advance because I needed to pay some bills, get some food, and treat the kids. So I took the advance. It was like, oh, crap, what if they don't give me enough to pay my rent properly or I'm getting less than what I was getting before? Or I've taken this, but the advance takes me right down and I'm only getting maybe £100 or something. Really got myself into a, a worry with it. But then the other day, I got the amount. Again, I'm not going to be crass and go into the amounts and stuff like that. But I saw it and just sort of like, right, let's touch it. Let's touch it. Didn't look. Opened it. I was like, whew, right, I'm okay. 
and just for the first time in let's say years i felt no stress no i wasn't worried i i've lived every day with this heightened sense of tomorrow's going to be even worse or if i don't do this it's going to get worse for my family i don't care about myself but my family's going to have it worse for the first time i went right my rent's going to be paid and i can get food on the table for the next month and that just it's a weird thing to try and explain how that actually feels and i know i'll get other stresses moving forward um with other things but yeah for that brief period and i've still got it at the moment oh it's like a calmness came over me for the first time and it just felt so so good um so much so i'm shutting down mental health gaming because i'm fixed now yay <laughs> no but yeah it's just it's just something i think it's worth pointing out sometimes actually is that with the mental health and we spoke about that you know you can have your ups and downs and you should ride the ups but that moment those moments of clarity they don't come around too often and i think they're important to talk about and to sort of let people know that they are possible, even if they are only in short bursts. For sure. It's it's really important to hear stories of that. And one of the things that can be difficult when we're all separated like we are is hearing those good stories and uh, just, you know, understanding, like you say, that there's there's a there's always the possibility of something good. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes not, but that potential is always there. Yeah. I've actually got a couple of talks that I'm going to be doing to video that I'm planning around some of my fears and trepidations with moving forward with mental health gaming and that I need to get over and the fear of failure. So I'm going to be doing a couple of video talks on those. But yes, I know, you know, just because I've had a few days of clarity and calmness and not, you know, no worries. I know that's not me fixed all of a sudden. I'm not naive. But I, I, you know, I, I do know that I've had that many years ago. Um, anyway, so it's, I am expecting a downwards turn at some point. Uh, but it's yeah, it's taking hold of those moments and making them count because you need to remember what those are for when you are on the downwards trip and you are starting to hit rock bottom. That you know there is a way back out. There is a better feeling. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but you've seen it. And a story from from someone as well spoke about the horrible time they've been through, issues with family life, with work life, and all that kind of thing. And openly talking about the lowest point they reached, the absolute lowest point, and uh, beginning now to find a way back out of that. That gave me a lot of reassurance that it is possible to sort of like claw yourself back from the absolute worst and i know you saw that and i think you were sort of equally impressed by the openness and you know the story behind it yeah absolutely and even though i'm in a sort of relatively good place it it still did my heart so much good to hear that that, that story to hear somebody come out the other side of something that was really negative towards them and yeah, it was it was great to hear, and the more stories I hear like that, the I think I feel the more it allows you to deal with and help people who are in the in the slough in in the worst position, because knowing both sides of it, like you say, is the only way to have the full understanding and to try and help people out, and for them to help you out when you're 
when you're in that situation as well. So it, it was it was really heartwarming and a great thing to see. Definitely, and it's, it's it's not being ashamed of being at your worst. Um, and I think that's something people are starting to realise. And we we didn't have that. I think less than five years ago, even I would say that it was almost shameful to say, "Look, I've hit rock bottom. I wanted to take my own life." People didn't know that you could talk about that. And as soon as you heard that mention, I've had it where I said about as a teen, I tried to take my own life because of bullying. People kind of go, oh, but you're okay now. It's made you a stronger person. It was like, well, it hasn't. I, I quite like to talk about it. But you get a sense of people, they didn't want to talk about it and felt that maybe they'd push you back into a direction, back down there, or they'll be responsible for anything going wrong. Um, and I think what we've always said on the podcast with this is we're, we're not experts. We're not professionals. We don't offer advice in terms of take this and we can make you better. It's just our experience. Um, and we're just talking about it. And what we are seeing, uh, this this particular person as well, the fact they was able to go quite detailed into this was the ups, this was the downs, this was the plateau before this hit again. And it was really good to see because it was just open and honest. And no one's afraid of that. Talk about it more when you're ready. Because, again, I don't think you should push anyone into talking because I think that can have a, a negative effect. But the moment you want to talk, you talk. There will be people there who will listen. We're there. We'll listen. Because, as I said, you don't always want the advice. You just want someone to listen. And when you're on your own, you haven't got home. Yeah. It's a weird, weird episode today. I said, because I'm in a positive place or just a, a really calming place at the moment, I've got nothing to me, I say, nothing immediately spun out that I wanted to talk about in depth, even though we kind of did some bits in the end. So, yeah, it was more of a riff episode, I suppose, a riffing episode. What is it when the uh, musicians do their little, just whatever they're going to do on stage, but not an actual act? <laughs> a jam a jam session <laughs> yeah there you go it's more, more of a jam session um for mental health and games so i don't know if you've got anything else you want to throw into the mix Stu. not really i've it's been a bit of a tougher time this week so far for various reasons and too too many things to to go into and talk about in without me sort of having time to digest them but yeah yeah as we said the sort of listening to other people's situations is providing me with some, you know, good comfort and stuff at the moment. Excellent. And as we said, if you, when you do want to, then obviously we're available here. And if you want to do another recording, Stu, obviously at any time we can do that as well. If it's something you specifically want to talk about. Cool. But again, again, that's the other thing as well is not with the, not forcing someone to talk is, you're obviously without going too deep you're not ready to at the moment or you feel you need to digest as you say you need to digest it further and that's fine as well but then it's making sure someone's aware that there is something there is always good even if you've just got a hint at it yeah but okay that's our um show episode for this week which means i've got to try and awkwardly sign off again so discord you can find us on there that community is growing oh we've got New writers. We're going to see you can see a lot more content from other people over the over the coming weeks. Um, I reached out on social media, and we've got some new writers. May even see if any of them want to pop onto any of the podcasts at any point. 
offer some differing views in case you're bored of me and Stu. Surely that is not possible, Brad. No, no, no. No, that's impossible. No, you know, I've got the most calming accent going, so, you know, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> Although someone actually commented to me, actually, that uh, the intro you did for last week's one because of the sound issues, they really liked that intro. All right. Well, uh, they it's just like, man, it just went. It just sounded so different to the podcast, and it just, <laughs> but it sounded really good. He went. I was intrigued to hear what had gone wrong and when it had stopped being <laughs> wrong. And I was like, all right, okay. He was like, yeah, just oh yeah, that guy's got a really good voice for it. I went, what about me? He went, that guy's got a really good voice for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got new writers, um, so, so keep an eye out for for that Patreon if you fancy it. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, check it all out. We're growing and we're there for you as a community. So, yeah, as always, stay safe and we'll catch you again next time.